Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopta at C70. With me always, David Jones, I at iPop Editor. Um, coming to you Sunday night. There was no baseball tonight. And uh, David, that's something we're going to have to get used to, right? There, you know, this time next week, uh, the season, the World Series is over and we're fully invested into the postseason. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, it feels like we haven't had baseball to watch in a long time. Uh, <laughs> these almost feel like exhibition games when you don't get to watch the Cardinals play. So my attention has kind of been a little bit diverted or maybe split, I should say, and watching some NFL, college football, uh, a little bit of NHL, which hasn't been much better, uh, and also keeping my eye on St. Louis City. By the way, good luck, St. Louis City, with their pl- first playoff game tonight. But yeah, it... Baseball will officially be done, even though for some of us, we feel like that's been going on since probably about June. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even if you want to just take the most literal um, definition of we haven't watched Cardinal baseball in a while, I mean, it's still been almost a month, right? And that month feels like a long time. But then when you add on to the fact that it's really been since maybe the Toronto series, it's the beginning of the year. It might have been the last time there was uh, that first that opening series after you lose two of those three, and it's like it never got any better. So, yeah, um, I think we just would kind of like to kind of mentally scrub this whole season from our minds and, and move on. Um, and the faster we can do that, the better. And the Cardinals, man, they're, they're ready for this because they go out. They don't wait until the end of the World Series. They're not worried about – the wrath of the commissioner, they go out and make a waiver claim on Buddy Kennedy this week. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I, that tells me a lot about 2024. Yeah, he's probably my second favorite buddy behind Buddy the Elf. So, uh, you know, what a move. Um, he may be the on, only the second buddy that I know behind Buddy the Elf. So I, I can't tell you much about him, but, you know, hey, we're back. You got Buddy Bell. True, true. Um, yeah, that may be about it. I'm sure there's others. Buddy Epson, right? Isn't he the guy that played um, on the Beverly Hillbillies? Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. we prepared just, a lot of buddies here. Jed Clampett's all I, yeah, that's yeah. where my head goes. But yeah, yeah. I think that's okay. right. So, I think, yeah. You know. Buddy Kennedy's got some things to live up to. And I'm, I'm I, again, I know all through the season I'm going to call him Bobby Kennedy. That's just the way it is. I well, I don't him. know how long through the season you'll be talking about him. So. Which is, um, which really does put us into the serious part of this discussion. You think that, right? And I, and I think that that's reasonable. We also thought that about Felix Fermin. Felix Fermin. See, I did it again. I'm doing this. I'm old. Uh, Jose Fermin. Um, and granted, we saw Jose Fermin because the season went sideways to some degree. But, you know, we saw a lot more of him than we thought. And this is a little bit of an interesting move to me. Um, you know, f- the fact that he's a second base, third base guy that has, you know, I think some some skills but hasn't really shown anything in the major leagues. That's not a second base, third base isn't really a spot where they need a lot of guys, right? They just traded for two second basemen at the trade deadline. Um, this, you know, normally this is kind of a depth move, but I don't really see that that 
was a need for them. So it, it seems a little bit strange. If you told me that he was a shortstop, okay, uh, I, I can see that or, you know, something of that nature. But, you know, this, you know, second base, third base kind of player is something they have a number of that they would probably be using next year. Yeah, I, I I do think this is a depth move, but it may be more of a minor league depth move. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this guy, he only played in 10 games this past year for Arizona, which it's funny when you think about that, this guy's actually going to get a World Series ring. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't see him, you know, you know, I say this, but, you know, we saw Taylor Motter play quite a few games with the team this year. But right. I, he's a guy that I see really being at Memphis, maybe. Uh, maybe between Springfield and Memphis, but I, I really see him being kind of a guy at Memphis. It may not even play every day, but um, to me, it almost just felt like the Cardinals were looking just to kind of fill up the 40 man a little bit, because I believe they filled it up to 40 and then let five guys go. And now it's back down to 35. And so it just felt like a move just to do something to add a guy there. I, I don't know the rhyme or reason, but I, I want to say I'd be shocked if we see him in a Cardinal uniform at some point next season. But after what we saw this year, I probably shouldn't say that because he may play a hundred games. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, the, the, the roster's at 40 right now, because it was very confusing when this came out. The Cardinals say they've claimed Buddy Kennedy and the roster's still at 40. And everybody's like, what happened? <laughs> because everybody don't, and everybody should. And then of course, find out a little bit later that Adam Wainwright had already filed his retirement papers and that had cleared the spot for him and i haven't if they've cut more out i haven't seen it wait no we did see that didn't we yeah they did make an announcement that's right i forgot nobody really of significance i I would say that may sound Um, terrible to those guys if they're listening but (laughs) yeah it was yeah i forgot because i was thinking about that um it's been it's been a bit of a weekend i guess so i had forgotten about that that's the fact they made those moves and that yeah you're right there wasn't anybody Insignificant. There was a few people that I thought would go before they did, you know, because I've done this whole write-up on this. Uh, but, you know, Kyle Leahy was about the only one that I thought. Um, and I thought Jacob Barnes might go in this first batch, too, uh, but he did not. Um, so there's, yeah, there was moves. I forgot. Man, man it's just... You know, when there's a, this much excitement going on, it's just hard to keep everything straight. Um, I was like, Buddy Kennedy hit what three eighteen with, um, I think, with the Diamondbacks Triple um, A team this year. Five homers, forty six RBI, um, nine twenty five OPS. So, I mean, granted, I think that that's probably a good hitting environment, and he did not hit quite so well at Las Vegas, which I know is a good hitting environment, although that was only eleven games. Um, but there, there might be a little bit more there. I mean, there might be a, you know, we're going to grab this guy. Like you said, it probably is more of a depth move for, for triple a, but you know, I think maybe they saw a chance on a lottery ticket and they took it. Yeah. You know, it's weird when you, you can kind of go back and find that he was a top 30 prospect for the diamondbacks coming into 2022. Uh, he actually has been slotted in by MLB as the Cardinals 24th prospect at this point. So that kind of tells you where he is. Um, it's funny because if you look, MLB has him listed at five, nine, but then in their write up, they say that he's six, one 190 pounds. There's a big difference between <laughs> five, nine and six, one. Um, but when you read the write up, they talk about how he's a guy that, he may be an average hitter. He may be able to hit 20 home runs or so. Uh, you know, he 
early on in his career, he looked really, really good. Uh, he was even an all-star at one point in the minor leagues, but really just hasn't put it together since then. Uh, so, yeah, we've got potentially a second baseman, third baseman. Um, probably not anybody that's going to stand out, but you know what? Maybe the Cardinals thought, hey, we're going to take a chance. We're going to see if we can find our Adolis Garcia part two, mm-hmm. Randy Arozarena, something like that. And you never know. Hey, this guy's from the same high school as Mike Trout. So maybe they thought that just some of the Trout's uh, power rubbed off on him and we're going to see some of that magic too. I, I don't know, but. I, you know, this is where fans start freaking out and be like, oh, is this the big move we're going to make this season? No, but we hope this is a move that we're not even talking about is one of the only moves uh, when we start t- talking in March. And uh, Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that we're going to have to worry about this being a significant move. It may be one of those. I mean, you always like to think that one of these small moves pays off on those dividends, right? That it's a move that turns out to be valuable even when you weren't ex- expecting it to be. Um, given how much the Cardinals, uh, or at least the broadcast, reminded us that Randall Gritchick was taking the slot ahead of Mike Trout, it's very possible that the Mike Trout experience uh, at high, of the same high school may may come up a few times if he does make it into the major leagues. I, I also see that on MLB, uh, his, his page on MLB, that one of the last highlights they have is that he walked with the bases loaded. So uh, that's already better than most of the Cardinals did last <laughs> with the base load so maybe maybe he can teach them a few things let's hope <laughs> yeah it's something it's something and this is what we're talking about because there's not much else going on but the other there's a couple other i guess they're news but there's nothing really substantive yeah maybe there is there is i guess it will count at least for the audio situation is some substantive stuff there it does sound like the cardinals are talking to yadi Molina about becoming some sort of coach and Yadi seems to be open to being some sort of coach. There seems to be, at least right now, there doesn't seem to be any idea what that kind of coach is. You know, we're going, you know, it could be all the way up to bench coach. It could be a guy that just works with the catchers, like on a part-time basis could be kind of anything in between. Where do you think Yadi lines up on that, that thing? And, And when do you think we'll find out? You know, ever since we started hearing this, my initial reaction was there is absolutely no way that Yachty is going to be a coach for 162 games. He's not going to be sitting on that bench for 162. There's just no way possible. Um, I mean, we looked back to his last season with the Cardinals and there were times he went to Puerto Rico because he had other things kind of going on. I just I see him being too antsy, wanting to play too much, wanting to get off the bench. He just couldn't do 162. So my thought was. I expected to hear that he was going to be in spring training as a special instructor, kind of like we've seen with some guys like Ozzy, Larry Walker in the past. Um, and then he might be around the ball club every once in a while. He might fly in, work with some guys, do some things. I just could not see him being a coach. But what we're hearing lately sounds like that's actually what they're talking about. Now, Bob Nightingale said it's a long shot. And then a day after that, Yachty said there's a 90% chance it happens. Um I think I know him. Know who I'm going to believe in that one. <laughs> I I still have a tough time though believing that Yachty would be bench coach. Now I know Jeff Jones mentioned that um, the Cardinals were kind of uh, a little quiet and tight lipped when talking about Joe McEwing and if he would return as bench coach next year. I just don't see Yachty doing that. I 
I, I, maybe I'm going to be surprised. I may be shocked. I just can't see him taking a 162 job and being there the whole time. Now, if he does, that may be great. Uh, you may see the catching defense go up. You may see that Contreras learns a little bit more on how to call games. Uh, Yachty may actually serve as not only a catching instructor, but maybe actually kind of like an assistant pitching coach where he can tell when a guy is laboring, when he needs to come out, when he needs to stay in, he may have a voice that goes a little, little bit beyond the analytics about when to take a guy out and when to let him keep dealing. But yeah, I, I, just can't see him being there every single game and i may be proven wrong and we may find that out soon um i would guess within the next week or two we'll know for sure Uh, but yeah i i'm still highly skeptical where do you sit on that one i kind of was with you but when you when you look at what yanni is saying about he wants to at some point in time at least manage in the big leagues he wants to be a guy that, you know, he wants to in that, in that role. He's going to have to, well, you don't have to because we've seen it before, but generally you're going to have to pay some dues right on that, you know. And, you know, he may say, I'll be the assistant defensive coach um, because it's going to give me a chance to get my foot in on the coaching side and get him one step closer to being a manager somewhere. Um I don't, I don't think it's in anybody's best interest to put Yachty as your bench coach, um, because that bench coach is kind of your, at least fans look at it as your manager in waiting, and and all he sees is warm. Maybe not from the front office point of view, but from the fan point of view, it's very warm. And if they get off to a slow start next year, there is going to be a huge clamoring for Yadier or Molina to take over that, that spot. And I think Ollie would have a little bit of a, you know, continual look over his shoulder to see, you know, is that the Yachty's got, Yadi hadn't made a mistake yet, you know, <laughs> because he hasn't been the manager. Um, that being, and I just don't think that's good. I don't think that's good for the, for the front off. I don't think it's good for, clubhouse chemistry i don't think it's good because if yadi actually did get the job then at some point in time you probably have to fire yadi or melina and that's not going to go over well in st louis um i think if yadi is going to go manage he needs to manage somewhere else so if he wants to be on the coaching staff at some some point some role great but i would not make him the bench coach and i would not obviously make him the manager in st louis I actually agree with you on that. I, I don't think bench coach is a good position, at least for him, at least not right now. Now, I know if you listen to radio in St. Louis, you'll hear people talk about essentially like Marmol and Schilt and Matheny were supposed to be robots and do exactly what the front office told them to do. And they didn't get mm-hmm. to actually manage and call the shots. They did exactly what the higher ups were telling them to do. And that, that's how it was supposed to be. I don't necessarily buy into that so much. I do think the front office is providing them with analytics, wants them to use analytics. And we know that sometimes there can be the whole paralysis by analysis thing. We've seen it a couple times in the playoffs where managers pulled guys who were looking amazing because the numbers said you should. And you kind of look at it and go, yeah, but were you watching him pitch? Like he, you should have left him out there. So I, I do think that's a part of it. I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be in St. Louis. But that being said, I don't think that Yachty is the type of guy who's going to take instruction from the front office very well. 
Uh, <laughs> he does not seem like the type of guy who is going to let them dictate what he does or even heavily assist what he does. And I think that could create some major clashes between him and the front office. And so I don't think that's a good place for him to be a bench coach. If the guy's kind of like the coach in waiting, uh, you know, it almost makes Ollie like a lame duck coach at the same time, or at least it, it gives that idea out there. Mm. So I think there is a role for him to have. Now, let me ask you this. You said he probably needs to go somewhere else and manage somewhere else. Do you mean like in a lower level of the Cardinals organization, or do you mean like another MLB team in another city? I mean, another MLB team in another city. Um, Ooh, that would be weird to see. It would be. It would be very weird. Um, but I think that, like I said, I just don't know how a Yadier Molina in St. Louis managing thing goes well, right? Um, it's not the same thing because he didn't have that cachet, but, you know, Joe Torre comes in, right? And they didn't have as much problem firing him mainly because the team was bad for quite a while, but still a little bit awkward, right? I mean, like the one year that Stan Musial was GM, you know, he left after that first year because he didn't want to do it anymore. And can you imagine having to fire Stan Musial? after like, you know, you know, three or four losing seasons. I mean, how do you do that? Can you do that? Uh, I mean, honestly, and like we were talking about, Yachty sometimes seemed like, as a player, he had more power than the manager and the front office and that he could pretty much do what he wanted to do, which is why he was in Puerto Rico a lot last year. Um, you know, is he going to be able to then adjust to, you know, John Mosellock, who he kind of, I don't want to say dictated terms to, but had a little bit more pull to then all of a sudden, you know, if you're not listening to me, you're not here, that kind of role. I don't know. I just feel like, I just feel like when you're an icon of a team, it doesn't do you any good and it doesn't do the team any good for you to sully that reputation a bit. Um, now it worked for Red Shane East, I guess. I mean, Red was able to stick around the, the organization a lot and manage two or three times and, and and all that. But I just, you know, if Yachty went 71 and 91 for two straight years, you know, are people then calling for his head? I mean, we, we saw that. We've seen that a little bit in the last couple of years, right? Even with the players, you know, people wanting to, not as many, but there are a few that wanted to run off Yachty, uh, Adam Wainwright this year. Albert and Yachty, you know, some early last year, you know, when they were struggling. Um, I just, I don't know. And maybe I'm putting too much into it and people might say that would be terrible. And I, and I get that, but I think it's easier for the player and for the fans and for the front office. If Yachty goes and manages, no, you wouldn't want him to manage the Cubs or anything like that. That's just, that would be, be heartbreaking. But, you know, if Yachty went and managed the Padres or something like that, um, and had success out there, great for him. But I just, I think that relationship with St. Louis would be a little bit damaged by him having that kind of role in St. Louis. But maybe, like I said, maybe I'm overstating things. I don't think you are. I think you're dead on. And you know, the thing is too, just because someone was a good player and maybe even a good leader as a player doesn't mm -hmm. mean they're ready to manage a team. Uh, Teams have not had the best success hiring guys straight from the field to the managerial position without a guy coming up at the minors or, you know, having some success somewhere else. Uh, you know, Cardinals tried it with Matheny. It didn't work out. 
Uh, we'll see with Marmol how it's going to turn out, although he's kind of been in the organization for a while, so that's a little bit different. Um, you know, Craig Council, that might be one of the exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm. But when you look around baseball, look who teams have been hiring lately. Uh, Bruce Bochy. You've got Buck Showalter. We see the Giants just hired Bob Melvin. Uh, there's, it's almost like we're seeing a backlash against hiring some of these young managers, these Gabe Kaplers, um, and teams are actually going back to the guys who are seasoned and who have been doing it for a long time. Because I think people forget that there's a lot more that goes on than just what you see on the field for those three hours. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going mm-hmm. on in the locker room. Um, you've got to know how to lead these men. And some of these are young men. Some of these are older men, but you've got to know how to lead a clubhouse of all these people. Um, and so it takes some time. It, it, it takes some work. You're seeing the game completely through a different lens when you're in that position. And so Yachty may end up being a tremendous manager someday. Uh, you know, he got the chance with Puerto Rico. They had some success, mm-hmm. but if you're going to manage a team for 162 games, and you're going to be dealing with coaches. You're going to be doing dealing with players. You might be dealing with players' families. you got to deal with the media every single night. You need to get a little experience under your belt before you get in that position. Now, I know I'm putting the cart before the horse on this one because Yachty doesn't even have a position. It may not be bench coach. He's not the manager of the Cardinals. But because of what people are talking about and where things are going, I think that's why this stuff needs to be said. And that's why I ultimately think, yeah, bench coach probably isn't the best place for him, but if he wants to come back and help the team, absolutely. There's definitely a spot for him. And hopefully right now it's just the logistics of figuring out what that looks like, how often that's going to be. Maybe it's a brand new title that we've never heard of, or the Cardinals have never used. But if, if Yachty wants to come back and help, absolutely find a way to get him in there just probably not bench coach quite yet. Yeah. And Yachty also, besides the Puerto Rico, he went and managed in Venezuela, I think last winter. Um, and so there's some of that, but yeah, I, I, it's not the same as 162. Um, and with all the stuff that goes along with it. Um, and I mean, you know, again, not only is it, you know, managing the clubhouse, managing, personalities there but it's managing the media and stuff like that and yachty's never been i'm not saying he has never dealt with the media but he's not actually been one of those people that are out front right it didn't you you kind of rare when you saw yachty after a ball game or something like that talk to the media so it happened but not as much as you know an adam wainwright or something like that um so you know there's there's all that that goes along with it too um plus the weight of of your playing career. So I, I don't know. I, I just don't, I think that's an extra wrinkle that they don't actually need. Um, but we'll see. I, I do think that there's value there, right? I mean, if he comes in to be a, a catcher or even assistant pitching coach, you know, type of thing, you know, follow Dave Duncan's lead or something like that. Um, there's definitely value there. Um, I just, I just don't put him in the top job. So, um, the only other thing that's been out there and it is a little bit, I guess it has some, some backing as well. Um, uh, Yuki Matsui, who's the Japanese, uh, reliever that's coming over this, um, this winter. Um, the Cardinals have been reported to be interested in, in fact, one of the articles seemed to indicate they were going to put in an offer to Matsui, um, it's an interesting, I mean, we've obviously talked about Yamamoto and Himagaya 
Uh, but we've not talked a lot about Matsui and the, the role in the bullpen. What are you thinking about this? Well, well I think it's funny how, uh, you, you know, we're all try- when we see a report come out, we're all trying to translate it to see what yeah. it, what it says. And so the report, I think some people initially reported the Cardinals had made an offer and I'm thinking, Oh, please no. Cause like, I think that violates um, a lot of <laughs> rules out there right now. Uh, but the interest makes sense. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't make as much sense for me as Yamamoto or Imanaga. And that's because the Cardinals, I think have plenty of lefties in the bullpen, which I can't believe I'm saying that because I don't think any team has ever had enough lefties in the bullpen. <laughs> but with some of the guys, you know, you've got Jojo Romero down there. Uh, Packy Naughton may be coming back. Libertor may get moved down there. There's a few other guys down there who have pitched pretty well. You've got John King. I mean, they've they've got a lot of lefties. And so he doesn't make complete sense from that standpoint. But if the guy has electric stuff and he could potentially be a closer or be your eighth inning guy and be a shutdown guy, then yeah, it absolutely does make sense to use him. Um, he's not just kind of an extended arm out there. So if the guy has dominant stuff, sure. Um, I will say the thing that alarms me just a little bit, and, and I would take a flyer on him. I definitely would because there is no posting fee for him either. Uh, but he's 5'8", he's about 167 pounds, and he had some issues with the ball in the World Baseball Classic. And the ball in the World Baseball Classic is similar to the U.S. ball, and that is it's a heavier ball than what they use in Japan, and it has a larger circumference. And so my fear is that because he did have some trouble with the ball, I wonder if he has smaller hands, uh, being 5'8", 167, and if that larger ball gave him trouble. You know, you hear about this in the combine with the NFL about quarterbacks and small hands and having trouble. I wonder if he's had trouble with the grip on the baseball. If that's the case, I'm not quite sure how his game will translate over to the U.S. Uh, maybe it won't be an issue. Maybe he can get it figured out. But you know what? Hey, I, I think it would be great to see him come over if the Cardinals can get a good offer. I know the Cubs are very interested in him, too, as well as Yamamoto. Uh, but yeah, I would, Hey, I'll take all three of those pitchers any day. Uh, but yeah, it, it would be great to see Matsui pitching for the Cardinals next year. Yeah. It looks like the, uh, the Japan series runs from, well, yesterday, uh, to the fifth. So what's that next week, next Sunday. Um, and, and then that kind of starts clearing the decks for all of these guys to start getting tacked. The fact that's, you know, the report was that they're going to make a formal offer after, after the Japanese series. So we'll see if that happens. Um, see how it goes. I, I agree. I think it's, I mean, you're adding quality to the, to the bullpen should be doing pretty well. Um, I would, you know, you'd like that better than now. Again, it also depends on contract terms and all that kind of stuff. And I do think that's a, an ear an, an issue for this winter, right? That the Cardinals, may be so motivated to make changes that they may spend a lot more money than they really should um, on some of these guys, which will then kind of look kind of ugly in a couple of years. But, you know, I guess we wait for a couple of years. I guess if you have to make it look ugly to get good players, you do that. It's just, will this translate as well as we think it will? And, you know, that's always up for debate. Yeah. And can I can I just be a really mean person and pop the Yamamoto hope bubble for a lot of Cardinals fans? Is is that a terrible thing to do? Well, yeah, because I don't like that. So, 
I, you know, he, he, he is my favorite pitcher out there that's available right now. Um, he definitely is, but just looking at the numbers, they're saying the bidding may start at 200 million, which is a lot. Um, and you know, people say, well, the Cardinals have to pay up if they're going to do that. I get that. Uh, but if the bidding goes to 200 million, you're looking at the posting fee of being at least 30 million. Now, the way the Cardinals handle their finances, whether you like it or not, if they have to pay a posting fee, if they handle things like they had before, that posting fee they're going to apply to next year's budget, at least internally. So you could be looking at $30 million on top of 20 something million for his actual contract. That almost maxes out the Cardinals right there um, for what they can spend. Plus, Yankees apparently are going to be involved, Mets, Cubs, um, looks like just a ton of teams with a lot more money are going to be involved. The other factor is to, I, I looked in this the other day, uh, there are eight players in the, in the U S right now who came from Japan. Six of those eight players started playing on a coast, either East or West coast, like San Diego, LA, uh, New York, Boston, something like that. The only two that didn't, that'd be Darvish and Suzuki started in Texas or started in Chicago. So some huge markets. If Yamamoto, the word out there is that he wants to go to a big market. If that's the case, I don't think the Cardinals have a chance in this, both financially or even if the money was the same with somebody like New York. I hate to burst the bubble of fans out there because I know fans love them. I love them. But I just want to put that out there. Set your expectations a little bit low when it comes to him because I don't think it's going to happen. But I do think Matsui is a real possibility. I do think Imanaga is a real possibility, as well as guys like Nolan and Gray. But it just at least for while we're focused on the Japanese pitchers, I just wanted to put that out there um, because I do see some of the people on Twitter that are kind of getting trying to get people riled up for the Cardinals fans, like saying like, "Yeah, this is the guy they're going to get. This is the guy there. He's definitely going to be a Cardinal." No, he's most likely not going to be a Cardinal, but that's okay because there's still plenty of other pitchers out there the Cardinals can get to put this team back together for next year. So there's my little soapbox rant. Um, I hope I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, people can let me have it, and I will be glad I'm wrong, but I I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. um, Apparently there's a report out there that the Giants are saying they're not going to be um, outbid, which – Again, if that's if that's the case, which is you know money would uh, money and the West Coast could be an issue. I you know I have seen something this week, and I don't remember where I saw it, um, so I can't find it again. But there was this idea that somebody did the the numbers and the contracts that people have gotten as they've come over to from Japan have never been as high as some of the hype and hoopla around them, uh, and so while they you know, their idea that, you know, he may be talking about a hundred, 200 million and the press might be 200 million, but there's enough risk involved that majorly kept in the past. Major league teams have not gone to those levels. You know um, now this is a different picture. It's a different thing. That being said, he also gave up seven earned runs in the Japan series in his, which may be his last game in Japan. Uh, not the greatest way to go out, but um I do think that the Cardinals are going to be involved. The Cardinals are going to be, but you're right. I mean, they have a lot of things going against them. Um, you know, they have a couple of things that may go for them. You know, again, he's got the same agent as Nolan Arenado. 
we know what the the, the pool the large new bar has in the in japan in general so there are some maybe familiar faces if he does come to st louis um if they do pony up to that level but um it's they're gonna have to deal with a lot and you're right it may be that that they do this of course you know then again what we were saying you know maybe they're going to go get matsui it's just another familiar face uh when they go and fight for the for yamamoto um i i agree it's a long shot but i just don't think it's completely out of the question it's just probably not gonna happen i i think the only way it happens is if he wants to be a cardinal and you know somebody coming from an international league you know who knows it's, it'd be different if this guy grew up in st louis or something like if he if he's from south county and uh he wants to go back home and play that's a different story but yeah it, it would basically him have he would have to either well there are a couple things in their fav- favor that would be newt um and then so Taguchi is also a coach for his team mm-hmm. if, if so kind of yeah. pushes him in that direction and says hey you can you know, use my house while you're there or something like that. <laughs> uh, but he would have to want to be a Cardinal. Like that would have to be top of his list for any hope of that happening. And, and so, Hey, maybe it will happen. Um, I, I'm just trying to prepare some people for this because there are still plenty of great pitchers out there that sure. the Cardinals can get that can, you know, you grab Nola, Imanaga and someone else, things are looking up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Yama, Yamamoto is probably number one out there on almost everybody's list. And um He'd be great to have. I just don't see it. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is never good when, you know, teams like the Mets and the Giants and others, Red Sox uh, that need pitching and are willing to go out. I mean, they're always going to be involved in a guy like that, no matter what their situation is. But when there's an actual need, they're more likely to, you know, maybe go a little bit higher on things. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, it still may be a little bit before we get any kind of clarity on his situation. Um, and the Cardinals may, you know, they're talking about being aggressive. Maybe they go out and get a couple of players before that and, and let, you know, while, while everybody else is waiting around on him, they go out and sign their others. I, who knows? Um, but it does, it is something to, to dream on, but it does feel like, except for maybe Nolan Arenado, the trade of Nolan Arenado, uh, a lot of the, uh, the dreaming on things that we've had for the Cardinals the last few years have, have not actually <laughs> panned out of course usually they don't even engage right i mean I, I continue to think about bryce harper in that regard um so at least knowing that they're going to at least try to engage is maybe a step in the right direction yeah and you know and sometimes it's okay to miss out uh they missed out yeah. on david price that actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise um you never know what and, and i you know when you're risk averse you can always say that that oh yeah right. well we you know we missed out on carlos rodon and that really was a, a mm-hmm. good move but well then you also mix out miss out on max scherzer too so right. I, I guess it's kind of you know blessing and a curse on that one um but i am curious to see what happens especially when it happens um i went back and looked at when players started signing last year and basically november is just a dead month uh I think Anthony Rizzo was the biggest name to sign, and that was just him going back to the Yankees. But as far as actual big-time free agent movement, there was nothing until after Thanksgiving. Uh, really, it was it was the meetings in December, the winter meetings. And so uh, I would say for fans out there, when you're thinking, you know, when are we going to start seeing some movement, don't plan on it until the first week of December, which seems so far away right now. But um, 
until then, at least we, we may know which players get non-tendered or which players don't mm-hmm. sign back with their teams and which players get qualifying offers. But uh, the fun stuff isn't going to happen till December. But hey, at least that keeps the hot stove fun and um, gives us something to look forward to. Yeah. And I mean, especially with a, an early Thanksgiving this year, um, the idea that there's going to be much going on before that, especially. I mean, maybe you get that last week of of November after the after the holiday, but uh, but beforehand seems very unlikely, uh, given the, diff, the you know the time crunch between the end of the World Series and the five day period afterwards, and then you know just turning around because you know that that week of Thanksgiving nobody's doing much of anything, unless you're Theo Epstein who went and had Thanksgiving at Kurt Schilling's house. But um, <laughs> that year, uh, maybe maybe Mo needs to go. <laughs> they just don't have Thanksgiving in Japan, so it's, it's a little harder to do that. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe he'll go to Aaron Noah's house instead or something. I don't know. But uh, anyway, should be should be interesting. Should be fun. We'll be back at it and talk about it as it happens. But until, ne- until next time, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. He hits it in the air to left field. Back is Chavez. At the wall, this ball is gone. Two-run home run, Yadier Molina. And St. Louis takes a 3-1, ninth inning, Game 7 lead.